all places together. Here we believe that our stories are connected to one another and rooted in God's radical love for diverse creation. Wherever you are, whoever you are, however you are, take a deep breath. Here's a story for you. A story called Aleph to Tav, Coming to God as We Are. Today is part three in our Hebrew poetry series, Aleph to Tav. Our guest shares some of his experiences of both receiving counseling and providing pastoral counseling. Together, we find parallels to prayer and the Psalms. How coming as we are, however we are, to counseling, to God in prayer, and to our relationships helps grace, compassion, and healing abound. Today, I am so glad to welcome Bishop Bob Humphrey to All Places Together. Bob has been the Bishop of the Virginia Synod for almost five years now. Previous to serving as Bishop, he served as pastor at different congregations in Virginia. He has a Bachelor's of Arts in History and Political Science from the University of Richmond and a Master's in Divinity from the Lutheran Theological Southern Seminary. He has also completed postgraduate studies in counseling at UVA. Bob is married to Barbara, and together they have one child and two grandchildren. In his free time, he likes to take walks with Barbara, visit family and friends, enjoy good food and travel, listen to music, watch British TV dramas, do puzzles and read, and, of course, root for the Green Bay Packers. Welcome to All Places Together, Bob. We're so glad you're here. Thanks, Pastor Colleen. This is great. So as you know, the series that we are digging into right now is this combination of how God loves us however we are and how that can connect with the Bible as well. But given your background, I thought it might be interesting to start with some of your counseling experience, both your experience with providing counseling and also receiving counseling. I'm curious, how has that impacted your understanding of God's love for us, however we are? It's a great lead-in. I think the fact that counselors, almost by definition, are ready to receive people however they are as they enter into the room and where, however they are as they present themselves to the counselor is part of what you learn in training to become a counselor. Mm-hmm. But it's also part of the freedom that you feel when you are the one who is seeking counseling, that you know your counselor is someone that won't judge you, that will receive you just as you are, whoever you are, however you are, and be able to respond to you with respect and dignity and truly listen and reflect back what you're saying to them. So that's part of what really attracted me to counseling, both as a counselor and as one who has received counseling, oh gosh, for over 40 years, I suppose, in several different iterations and for several different reasons. But I am a huge advocate of counseling for that reason. I love how you talk about showing up to counseling with whatever we're going through on that giving day. And In many ways, that's how we show up or how we can show up in our relationship with God as well. Like when we go to pray or we go to study the Bible or go to worship or listen to the All Places Together podcast, like we are encountering God how we are and we don't have to 
put up a facade or change something about ourselves to enter into that space with God. Absolutely. I think that's one of the incredible gifts of this particular ministry, because as a digital ministry, when I listen on Sunday mornings as I'm preparing breakfast, which I often do. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. (laughs) I don't have to get dressed up. I don't have to be quiet. I don't have to stand still. I get to just be whoever I am, however I am, and enter into the space that you provide through this incredible ministry. So, I know I love hearing stories of folks and and when where they listen and how they listen. And I love it especially when people are like, "Oh, I was talking back to you." <laughs> like on this one, I've got this question. That's always so fun and meaningful to hear. You know, part of the part of the joy of a podcast is that you you can push that 30-second rewind. Yes. Button, right? Yeah. You go, "Wait, a minute, I just I missed that." I know you can't do that necessarily, like especially when you're listening to a sermon. If you're like, um, I need that again. Exactly. <laughs> you can't like raise your hand. I mean, I guess you could, but not many people do. <laughs> so I wonder within, again, your experience of both receiving and providing counseling, if there are particular ways of affirming God's love that you have found to be particularly meaningful when people are in crisis and We are recording this just to set the context uh, the day after um, the most recent school shooting in Texas and, you know, coming off the two shootings from the previous weekend, like there's lots of crises going on in the world right now, in addition, of course, to Ukraine, and we could spend a lot of time listing that out. So in this crisis, in these crises that we experience, What have you found to be meaningful to affirm God's love in those hard times? I think it leads right back to where you started. And that is to say to yourself or to say to someone else, it's okay. Mm. However you feel, however you're encountering this moment, it doesn't have to be the same as anyone else. It can be unique to you. And that's fine. Tell me about that. I think that's the heart of counseling, is listening well and reflecting back to people what is heard. Mm -hmm. Rather than pontificating or trying to fix it. You know, I think that a good counselor listens and reflects back and then allows the person who is in counseling to hear that and see that in themselves. And it's just interesting to see how that unfolds. Sometimes one way, sometimes another. But you, the counselor, move out of the way so that the person being with you in counseling can simply be wherever they are, whoever they are, however they are. And I think what you said there about we don't all react in the same way is just something that's really important to keep in mind right now that people's reactions to all of the events are so different and how we might hope to respond in in building peace or seeking justice or reform like we're going to come at that in a lot of different ways and that's okay too that I get very wary of people who say, like, this is the only solution. Right. It's like, well, it's probably part of it. It's probably part of a possible solution. But 
I'm, I am also like just wary of Christians who say like, this is the only way that we can do something. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the, the scripture is about a God who comes to where the people of God are and encounters them there, wherever they are. I realize I'm using your tagline over and over again, (laughs) but it is so great. I mean, it is so perfect for what we aspire to be as church and don't often, well, never, right? Make it perfectly. Yeah. I mean, Even here, yeah, it's not exactly perfect. right. Yep. I mean, in worship, often we'll begin with a confession that says, "I have not done all the things that I even I want to do, let alone the things, God, that you would wish for in mm. terms of justice or peace or whatever." And I want to just start honestly like that in worship. Now let me hear the word and be fed and sent out once again to serve. I think worship at its best, conversations with people at their best, mm-hmm. are that way. Yeah. Of naming those really hard things. Right. Yeah. And I think about some of the counseling sessions that I've gone into for myself. I am a perfectionist and I try really hard to not let anyone see me mess up. <laughs> um, and so. To the sessions that I've gone into therapy when I know I've messed up or I know I've not done the kindest thing or the most gracious thing and I know I need to like talk about it and think about it like part of me is like I don't want to do it I don't want to tell her but then it's like oh but this is really where the work needs to happen and where the love is needed and the grace like and including for myself wouldn't it be great if we could do that in prayer? Mm-hmm. If we could feel that same kind of permission and freedom rather than trying to present ourselves as something perfect? Yeah. To simply come to God in prayer and say, okay, here I am. Yeah. Here's how I'm feeling. Here's what I need. I often use a, a refrain with, with people that'll say, you know, God has created us and claimed us as children. And what do children do? Well, they ask for whatever they want. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. Yeah. <laughs> I want a pony. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter that we live in a New, a new York apartment. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so I, I, there's something that's just lovely about that because the rest of the refrain is ask for whatever you want. And trust that God will give what you need. Yeah. Well, you know, in a sense, I think that's part of the way I encounter God in Scripture. Is that Scripture is so rich with so many different variations. So you reference these terrible events of the last couple of weeks. And you're right. We each hear those events, witness those events, read about those events in different ways, because each of us has our own experience. Mm -hmm. Then how do we use the opportunity to be together as church to allow each other the freedom to hear those things differently? Right? Yeah. So I think that's part of the beauty of Scripture for me is that it is so diverse, and there are laments, and there are frustrated, angry, hurt people talking honestly to God. 
the Psalms especially are just beautiful that way in, in my experience. So I think that's part of the beauty of Scripture, and it's such a shame when whoever might turn that around and then try to use Scripture as prescriptive rather than descriptive mm-hmm. of who we are. Can you flesh out what you mean a little bit by prescriptive and descriptive for listeners who may not have heard that in a biblical sense before? I'm not sure that's something we've talked about here at APT yet. So it seems to me that a lot of people hear Scripture as being prescriptive, meaning this is how I should be. Like a prescription, like right. that the doctor— Here's the way. Here's, here's This the, is what you got to do to be better. That's it. Yeah. Well, uh-oh. Yeah. I don't measure up. Yeah. So now what am I going to do? I either have to put on my perfection goggles and try to go do that thing perfect. But what if I hear the voices in Scripture as descriptive of individual writers, of a whole collection of writers who have tried to describe how they feel, who they are, where they are. And then that opens up Scripture in a very different way for me as a reader and as a person of faith. Yeah, and it shows the attention and love and listening that God provides to the individuals or the groups of people. Like you can see how God responds to them, and that's really powerful. And it frees me, I think, and this is part of the heritage that we bring to this as Lutheran Christians is that uh, Luther began with the question, wait a minute, is this really true? Yeah, yeah. And I love that, that we're able to to ask those honest questions. I wish that that were true in every context, and that's part of what I love about All Places Together, is those questions are invited. Yeah, we love the questions here. Like, that is what we do and dig into. And I love how you phrased uh, prayer as asking like as a child or speaking as a child would. And as soon as you said that, I just, again, I feel like the Psalms just rushed into mind. And I was like, I've never thought about them kind of coming from like a child's voice or being this like unfiltered in a way that children often are. Um, So I want to ask, like, are there particular psalms or different parts of Scripture, of the Hebrew poetry that are really meaningful to you? Absolutely. The one that comes to mind immediately for me is Psalm 130. And the reason it comes to mind is because I love that double refrain at the end of it. I... Let me let me see if I, I can say. Go ahead and read it, it for us, because yeah, that's not yeah. one that is immediately coming to mind for me. I wait for you, O Lord. My soul waits. In your word is my hope. And then this, I love this repeating. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning, more than those who watch for the morning. And I love the fact that it's so honest. Now, let's go to that childhood. Now, if I approach this as a child, it immediately takes me back to my own childhood when there were times where I would have nightmares and there Mm. were, there would be, you know, monsters under the bed. And I could remember waiting for the morning. Yeah. More than 
those who wait for the morning. Well, then that immediately connects with me, right? I can say, oh, wow, that's a really, it's not just twiddling your thumbs. It's anxious waiting. It's hopeful waiting. It's, I can't wait for the day to break and to free me from this fear so that I can start again. Well, gosh, if I think about the Psalms as that kind of appeal to God, Mm -hmm. my soul waits for you more than those who watch for the morning. So this Psalm, Psalm 130, that idea of waiting, and I just think about the people that have been harmed so horribly in the last couple of weeks, just in our country. Mm-hmm. Think about the people in Ukraine. I think about people around the globe whose lives have been forever turned upside down. I think about domestic violence. I think about all kinds of violence against women in particular. And I think of how many people could pray that psalm in a very different way, each of them coming at it with their own experience, their own story to tell. My soul waits on the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. More than those who watch for the morning. That's the kind of thing that I love about the Psalms is that I think that they really express that. And in that, there's, I mean, there's, you have 150 of them, so you know, yeah. go for it. I'm trying to think if I have shared this already as part of this series, and if I have, I'm going to share it again. But one thing that is meaningful to me that one of our colleagues, Dave Delaney, shares um, is that part of the reason we read the Psalms and sing them in a variety of parts during worship or as prayers or that type of thing um, is because they do speak so much to our various experiences. And even if we're not going through it that day, someone else in the community could be going through it as well. Mm. Mm. And so it's important for us to read these and experience um, these poems, these prayers, these songs, because of how they connect us to one another. And so just as you were listing out all of the different people today going through the, the situations that might have them cry out, you know, how long, oh Lord, mm. I'm waiting for you. My soul needs you. That there are just so many different circumstances that we would use these words in and different ones. And even if we are feeling comfy, cozy at peace, you know, on a given day, like we could still turn to this and pray it for others who are in need, who are not in a comfy, cozy place. And if we're thinking about them, then we probably don't feel so comfortable inside of ourselves anymore. I love that. I one time heard someone speak to our Senate Assembly years ago, and they had been imprisoned. Mm. And while they were in prison, they wrote to their home church, and they said, I need you to pray for me. And of course, everybody said, oh, of course, you bet. We will be glad to pray. No, no, you don't understand. I need you to pray for me because I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't right now. Yeah. That's what I heard you just say. Yeah, and I think that's a really valid thing, too, that there are a variety of circumstances in life where people are feeling done with God, done with the church, and 
may not even necessarily feel comfortable asking someone to pray for them. Like they might be, you know, beyond that and wanting to set a bigger boundary there. But for some, like when you know, maybe you still want to be able to get to a point of having a more in touch or intentional relationship with God, having other people step into that place for you and pray on your behalf in your stead. Like that's so powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a really valid place to be in, in, in a, in a faith journey in a place of needing that separation or seeking from that. Are there any other passages of scripture from the Hebrew Bible that you'd like to lift up as favorites or meaningful for you in various seasons of your life? Well, sure. I mean, you know, we could go on for a long time with this, but Psalm 121, I've lived most all of my adult life in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia. It is gorgeous. Oh, the mountains. Yes. And so this, I lift up my soul. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? has always prompted for me a memory of Caroline Furnace Lutheran Camp. I heard you talk about your camp experiences. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's where my wife, Barbara, and I met, um, you know, 47 years ago. And so there's this wonderful connection with that psalm. And I've read that psalm, sung that psalm, prayed that psalm with so many people over so many years, often at funerals but in other contexts as well. But for me, it's actually a joyful connection. See, that's how each person encounters the scripture in a slightly different way. Yeah. I know for me, I mean, I always knew that Psalm and liked it, but I think it definitely took on a different meaning when I moved to Virginia five years ago now. And especially during the pandemic in our neighborhood we lived in before, I would be walking or jogging and there were a few places where the mountains, you would just like, there'd be the break in the tree or the break in the houses and you could just really see them. And it would just be like, we are in the middle of this pandemic, God, like, what am I supposed to be doing? And it's like, here are the hills. I am looking to them. (laughs) I'm ready for you to help me. (laughs) I feel like that has just taken on like a whole new meaning for me recently. Absolutely. There are other parts of the Hebrew scripture, especially, that have become meaningful to me. I think Isaiah is such Mm -hmm. a powerful set of writings, and they're often quoted in the New Testament. I know, it's like Jesus' favorite. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think there is something that's really evocative about the language in Isaiah that the, the prophetic voice that is there, but also the promise that is there. And, and I like that balance of prophecy that calls us to accountability mm-hmm. and promise that reassures us of God's presence, even when we don't get it perfect. Yeah. In the mess as we're trying to figure it out. Like even when we hear that prophetic call and our hearts have been convicted and we want to move in that way and act in that way, like we still mess it up along the way and we need that grace. Yeah. So, for example, Isaiah 65, before they call, I will answer. Who is speaking? Is that God speaking? I think so. Okay, yeah. I think so. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. Mm. Go back to our counseling conversation. Yeah. The wolf and the lamb lie down together, the more common part of that verse as it continues. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. 
but the serpent, its food shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. Isn't that a good passage for this week or mm-hmm. today? It is. Like that hope that those of us who maybe see these issues really differently, or at least that's one thing that I hear in it, that the people who are exactly. on really different spectrums of how to solve these you problems. You cannot imagine that they would lie down together yeah. or eat together. Exactly. But like somehow with God we can. It's mind-blowing. It is. Yeah, but that's the hope. Precisely, and the promise. Yeah. So I wonder, too, you are in a unique position as bishop that you are called, part of the work that you do is that you are called to care for and support the congregations of the Virginia Synod and their leaders as well, both rostered ministers, pastors and deacons, and then also um, lay leaders as well. And so I wonder if there have over time, like, if you've come to like lean on particular psalms or parts of scripture in your care for them or in how you pray for them. Um, for us, I should include myself in that. I am one of the pastors of the synod as well. Um, or kind of common refrains that you hear from us as well. So I guess that's kind of a twofold question. But So the privilege and opportunity that's been given to serve in this office is remarkable because, of course, I am a pastor. And that is my primary sense of identity. And yet, in this particular call to ministry, I've had the incredible opportunity of getting to know so many of our colleagues and the contexts in which they serve. And each of them is different. And the contexts are different. But we share the same scripture. We share often the same kinds of liturgies, even if they come from different places. Mm-hmm. We share the same theology, you know, that, that talks about the reality. It doesn't, it doesn't sugarcoat in any way the reality of the hardness and the harshness of life. Yeah. It's a, we call it a, a theology of the cross, as opposed to a theology of glory. It's all going to be great. We say, no, it's often not great at all. Let's get real. It's not great often. And in fact, we're called to walk alongside folks where they are, often in really, really uncomfortable places, Mm -hmm. both literally, physically, and also often emotionally. And we don't shy away from that. And yet, to that space, to that hard place, we bring a word of hope. And it's not by and by in the sky. It's God is present here and now, and in part, through our conversation, through our walking together, through our talking about and living through these hard things. I just think that's exactly what the church is called to be and do, and I've seen that in each of those contexts. You mentioned all those congregations throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia, and each of them in a different way brings that kind of reality check Mm -hmm. and hope. 
Yeah. They do it in a lot of different ways. That's okay. Yeah. This is part of that diversity, right? I mean, we, thanks to you and to others who have helped create and now fund this particular project, that's exactly our hope is to be able to break out of the bricks and mortar location and instead extend the word, extend the opportunity to be heard to people in every context. Mm-hmm. I'm trying really hard not to say your tagline one more time. It's all right. They're used to us saying it all the time here. <laughs> I've got a fridge mag- magnet that says it, yes. Oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So one more one more passage from the Hebrews scripture that is familiar to many people, perhaps some of those of us who are listening to this podcast. And that's Micah mm-hmm. chapter six, verse eight. Do justice. Love kindness. Walk humbly with God. I recognize that's a bumper sticker. Sure. Right? Yeah, it's very easy to cross-stitch on a pillow. I love it. However, right. the depth of meaning, like when you really think about what that right. looks like and how that could be embodied. Right. Yeah. You know, for me, so one of the things that I hear and am able to share over and over again as bishop in the Synod is sort of similarly oversimplified and I hope not simplistic. What are we called to do? What are the greatest commandments? To love God and to love your neighbor. Yeah. And if you expand that just a little bit, as Christ has loved us mm-hmm. all the way to the cross, yeah. into the hard places, all the way to death. Not just when times are good, but especially when they're not. Mm-hmm. Like now. This is exactly the right time to be church for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the world. Both that mutual support and caring for one another and and putting that hope into action. Yeah, to be able to care for one another and take care and provide resources and all of those things that are needed in those really hard times and hard places. Yeah. Bob, I so appreciate you taking the time to share your stories with us here at All Places Together, to share how you have experienced God's love in the world and how you hope to share that too. It's just been such a joy to share this conversation with you. Oh my goodness, the joy is mine. It truly is. Thank you and thanks be to God for this ministry. And if you want to uh, be able to follow more about Bob's ministry, I think the best place to direct you is probably to the Virginia Synod website. So it's vasynod.org. We'll link it in the show notes if you would like to be able to learn more about what church is like for us Lutherans here in Virginia. prayer for coming to God as we are.
Merciful God, throughout the ages you have listened to your people as they have cried out to you, in joy and in rage, in hope and in despair, in trust and in fear. Your grace was with them. You were with them. We cry out to you today. In the past, it has felt like we have had to have it all together before we could come to you. But anymore, it feels like so much is falling apart and all we can do is come to you. Surround us with your mercy so that we can open ourselves to you as we are, where we are, whoever we are. Help us to hear your voice of comfort and your call to justice. Empower us to listen well to one another, to listen to others as you listen to us. With love and with patience, seeking your image in each person. In our waiting, our wailing, our watching for mourning, be with us and send us companions. And send us to those who need us too. We need your grace. We need you. Amen. Thank you for joining us at All Places Together. If you heard yourself or someone you know in these stories today, we hope you heard God too. If you're listening to this and it is still May, you have just a few more days to order from our first anniversary store that's live on our website. There are lots of fun items for you to share God's radically inclusive love with the world. And don't forget, each purchase helps support APT's goal of launching a private social network. If you would like to help support this goal directly without making a purchase, you can share a financial gift through our website. Just go to allplacestogether.org and scroll to the bottom where it says Give Now. Just click that button and you'll be redirected to our giving platform. As always, thank you to our mission partners, the Virginia Synod, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and people like you. We know it can be hard to give financially, so we celebrate all of the ways that you share the stories of all places together with the people in your life and engage with the APT community throughout the week. One way that you can help others connect to us is by sharing a review on Apple Podcasts. Trista shared this review a few weeks ago. All Places Together is a beautiful way to worship in a world where it is not always safe or possible to worship in a brick and mortar building. Pastor Colleen is truly passionate about reaching everyone where they are, be that geographically or spiritually, and it shows. Trista, thank you so much for sharing these kind words for this kind review. I'm so thankful that our mission of sharing God's love to people wherever they are has found you and has connected with you. So folks, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving us a review there. And today I have one last final invitation. If you live in or near Virginia, there are some special events coming up this summer that I will be at and I would love for you to consider attending. There are two events, Power in the Spirit and the Virginia Synod Gathering and Celebration of Service. These events are connected and their schedules overlap and at some times 
are the same thing. They will be on campus at Roanoke College in Salem, July 14th through 16th. There will be opportunities to worship together, learn, share meals, and meet lots of Virginia Lutherans. There's lots more information on the Virginia Senate website that is linked below. I'll be there and so will Bishop Bob, and it would be great to see you there and to connect. Until next time, remember that God loves you and is with you wherever, whoever, and however you are.